Welcome to Enthusiastically Self-Employed, the show created for you as a coach, consultant, solopreneur, and small business owner. Those of us who are enthusiastic about growing our business and learning along the way. This show features expert interviews from business rock stars in my network, plus solo episodes with marketing and LinkedIn tips from me, Brenda Mellon. Years ago, the universe nudged me forward into a new path as a solopreneur. I didn't know it at the time, but my career in corporate marketing and my knack for LinkedIn opened a new door for me. Whatever brought you into being self-employed, whether it was a corporate career transition, downsizing, early retirement, or a desire for a more fulfilling career path, my guess is you found this show because you are also enthusiastically self-employed. I'm glad you found me. Now let's get started. So in today's episode, I'd like to talk about what do you offer? What are the products and services that you're offering to your customers as a coach, consultant, speaker, and or author? And I'm going to really focus in today on items that you might be offering if you're a coach or a consultant. And I have to think back to the days when I first started my business, when I first went full-time into Meller Marketing. It was towards the end of 2017, but really getting into January of 2018. And at the time, I was really nervous about putting all of my eggs into the LinkedIn basket, so to speak. LinkedIn was really my area of expertise even back then, but I had come from a corporate marketing background. And I also had a really strong base of knowledge about social media management, having just over been overseeing the social media accounts for the organization running a team, working with agency partners, and really just having a good depth of knowledge about all social media platforms. So in the beginning of my business, you might be doing what I did, which is offering anything and everything. You kind of put together your menu of services to include anything that you could potentially sell to a prospective target audience, to a prospective customer. And for me at the time, I had kind of three buckets. Marketing management, marketing strategy was one where I would develop marketing plans for organizations, whether that was an organization that was already well-established and didn't have a full-time marketer on staff, or maybe it was for small businesses, which really had no assets in marketing whatsoever and just needed somebody to, to help them. So marketing strategy was one of my core offerings. The second bucket was social media management. And this actually happened because I had a referral come to me by someone who worked in an agency who had an organization approach them and said, we need somebody to run our social media for us. And so I did that. And at the time, I was doing the four major platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter were the the four that I was running. And I was doing multiple postings across those platforms, community management. I was doing a report back every month and really just helping that organization with their social media, which led to more social media management projects. So that was the second category for me, social media management. The third category was LinkedIn. And while I was always very passionate about LinkedIn, I was very reluctant to say this is the only thing I'm going to sell because I was actually worried at the time, if you can believe it, that I wasn't going to be able to build my business solely on LinkedIn. So I had that as a niche offering, kind of as an offset of social media management, where I would do LinkedIn profile rewrites for executives. I would do LinkedIn team training, and I would also do individual one-on-one coaching. And I had a few offerings at the time. And that was in the beginning for me. That was what I did. And maybe you have had some similar starts for your business, kind of offering anything and everything that people would buy. Then over time, 
I started refining what I was offering. And a bit of this was based on what people were asking for, the client requests that are coming in, as well as what I saw as market demand. And I remember in the beginning when I first started doing my one-on-one LinkedIn coaching, the rate that I was charging is a fraction of what I'm charging right now. And I have to give a shout out to my friend, Amanda. She, she in the beginning, she said, you're not charging enough. You need to be charging double or triple or even quadruple of what you're charging. And I said, you're crazy. But you know what happened? Every time I raised my price for that LinkedIn coaching package, I would call Amanda or text Amanda or send her an email and say, hey, I just want to let you know I've raised my price again. And I went small and incrementally. But what I found is that I actually eventually started reaching a threshold that people would would say, let me get back to you, or they might say no. And then I knew that I had reached kind of that market level of, of value. So if you're finding that every time you're quoting out projects, every single person is saying yes, then you need to think about raising your prices. Similarly, I want you to think about the fact that you might have times where you offer up a package to a client and they might be trying to qualify that. And I remember back in the day, this was pre-pandemic, I was doing LinkedIn training and I was traveling and I had an organization that was based in the, the New York, New Jersey area that wanted me to come out and do a LinkedIn team training as, as a part of their conference for their employees. And I quoted them and I was on an email chain with the CEO of the company and her executive assistants. And, and I went through the quote And I sent it over to them through email, which was a mistake. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I sent it over to them through email. And first, the the executive assistant replied back to me and said, is this the total cost? Are there any additional fees for travel or anything else? And I said, no, that's the total cost. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm in the Midwest. My fees are probably not as much as somebody in New York City were to charge. And that's what I was thinking. And then the CEO later, I think that same day, maybe the next day, emailed me as well. And she said, I just want to double check. This is the total cost. There are no other fees associated with that. And when I got that email, like immediately, and I'm snapping my fingers and I'm saying it, immediately I knew I was undercharging. And I couldn't do anything at the time because I had already requested the quote from them and I, you have to hold firm on your pricing, but I knew that I was undercharging myself. So based on some of the feedback you're hearing from your clients, you might be feeling that you are undervaluing yourself and then you want to start to increase your pricing. By the way, I talked about sending out a proposal through email. I have to give a shout out to Liz J. Simpson. I went through her big money movement program and learned a lot of different techniques from her, one of which was that you you should be doing proposal review on a phone call and not just sending it out through an email. And I'll let you follow Liz if you want to learn more about her amazing techniques. But I do have to say this has really been a game changer for me, walking through a proposal on a Zoom call as opposed to sending it out through email. One of the other side effects of doing that is if you get the people that are really just looky-loose, not serious about doing business with you, they won't agree to do that Zoom phone call with you. So if I get the people that say, it's too busy right now, I'll get back to you in April, I know they're not really serious about wanting to do business with me. And they maybe don't value me, they don't have a high priority with that project at the time, but I'm not wasting my time and I'm not wasting their time. So let's talk again about these offerings. And we, we talked about increasing your pricing based on the feedback that you're getting. And I think also the confidence in yourself. As as my business started to grow and I started to gain more and more clients, I gained more confidence in what I was doing and I was felt more comfortable increasing the pricing over time. And then I started refining the offerings because I realized that the more work that I did that was lighting me up, 
versus things that I didn't enjoy doing, you know, it was really helping to accelerate the growth of my business. And there was, you know, that that pandemic that happened right in the midst of all of this. But I remember coming into the end of 2019, coming into 2020, I made the decision that I was no longer going to do marketing strategy as an offering. I started removing some of those items from my website. And I also decided I was no longer going to take on any new social media management clients. I would continue to manage the ones that I had, but I was really starting to think about when could I pull back from them. Then, you know, January 2020 rolled around. We started having this, this you know, virus that was traveling throughout the world. I made the decision to go full in on LinkedIn at the same time as the news started hitting across the world. And it really just impacted people in so many different ways. Many of the clients I was serving with social media management had to put those social media management projects on hold, which was really a blessing in disguise because I didn't have to fire the clients. They canceled the accounts because business was was drying up for them. and. Then I decided to shift into, well, gosh, if my business is not, I'm not getting any paid business right now, I may as well keep visible and help others. So I started shifting into doing more LinkedIn Lives. I actually did a daily series at the time. And I figured since I had access to this tool that not everyone else had, I could offer it to other people, shine the spotlight on them. It's almost the same philosophy of investing in the stock market when the market is down, but you got to pick the right stocks. You know what I mean? Like you got to invest in the stocks that you know that the value is going to rebound and come back. So what I was doing was building out strategic relationships, bringing people onto my show that I knew had so much value to offer that once the market got back again, there would be some great social media karma out there. And in the meantime, we were helping to support each other and to lift each other up. That was part of what I did. And then when things did start to come back and in what I found is that people were open to virtual coaching. Hey, since we're going to be working at home anyways, we might as well invest in growing our personal brands on LinkedIn because we can't do in-person networking anymore, at least right now. So let's do some some refinement on our online networking efforts. So I started to refine my efforts both on what was happening in the market and, and what I was enjoying at the time, moving away from social media strategy, from marketing strategy, and moving into LinkedIn solely. And I also started to realize, you know, something out there that was happening with some of the clients I was working with. And if you're self-employed, I'm sure you can relate to this. There are some clients that are just absolutely amazing. You know who I'm talking about. You send them the invoice, they pay it right away. You quote them on the project, they don't question, they don't try to negotiate at all. You know, they're great to work with. You give them advice, they implement the advice, they get the results from the advice, right? And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you might be in a discovery call with a client and they're questioning you on things or they interrupt you or, you know, they might be a little bit off-putting or maybe even a little bit rude at times when you're in the initial conversations with them. They're trying to assert their power in the beginning of the process. And then you get into a phase where you're quoting them out on projects And they may be trying to negotiate your fees. They might even question you. I remember I was at the grocery store and I was, I I don't know, I think I was waiting in line, but I was reading my email and I got a client emailing me questioning the value of my LinkedIn training. And he said, X dollars, that's more than we pay our attorney per hour. And he was questioning my LinkedIn team training. And I remember really thinking about it at the time, and it really hit me. I'm like, wow, that that kind of hurt to hear that type of a statement. But I, I realized, and I replied back to the person, I said, I appreciate you sharing 
you know, with me that feedback. However, the offering that I do, training people on LinkedIn is a, is a real specialty area of focus where there's a lot of lawyers out there and the lawyer's job is to protect you and your company from, from legal circumstances. I am here to help you to grow your business, to support your business development efforts. So my skill set, it's really not fair to compare my rate to the rate of a lawyer. And I said, also, I stand behind the, the value that I offer. I would encourage you if you want to look around and look at other trainers and coaches that might be out there so you can see what the market value is. I strongly believe that you get what you pay for. And, you know, in that particular month, I'd already booked three clients at the exact same rate. And some were even higher because they were larger trainings that I was doing. And I said, if anything changes with your budget, you know where to find me. And I didn't hear anything back from them. But I learned this wasn't just me that was encountering these people that were out there in the market. And I started kind of talking to other trainers and coaches and consultants. And I realized, you know, where the term came from, but I realized there's a lot of PETA clients that are out there. PETA, P-I-T-A. Do you know what that stands for? Do you? Pain in the blank. I'll let you blank there. Pain in the blank clients. And P-I-T-A, by the way, is the acronym there. You know who they are. You know who they are when you're in the discovery call and you might have those inclinations of saying, gosh, I don't think I really want to work with this person. Do yourself a favor and don't work with them. Because what happens is these PETA clients are an energy drain. Speaking from firsthand experience, I know this firsthand. If you have people that are questioning you, that are not seeing your value, that things just really aren't lining, you're not vibing with each other in the discovery phase, that's going to continue on when you go into the negotiation phase and you're chasing after them to try to get a contract signed or to get a down invoice, down payment invoice paid, or even after you're invoicing them, you're you're chasing after them, or they're not incorporating the advice that you're given to them, and then they're not getting the results, and they're blaming you. Why isn't this working? You told me this was going to work. Why isn't this working? Well, you didn't do your work, right? So I found from firsthand experience that it's best to walk away from PETA clients at the first instance of that. And this still happens to me to this day. I get people questioning me on my value. I just had an email um, recently where somebody was questioning me on the the value that one of their coworkers had paid for one of the programs. And I, and I just reiterated, here are the offerings that I have. And there are different offerings based on what you're looking to do, you know, do it for me type of an approach versus show me how to do it, coaching type of an approach and budget. And I respect the fact that you might be at a different point in where you are. But I also am thinking right now as we're moving towards the end of the year, getting ready for the start of the new year, I do have a couple offerings that are not bringing me joy anymore. And I'm starting to refine what those offerings are. I've been thinking about this for about six months, but there's a few of my VIP executive offerings that I'm going to be discontinuing. And these are very large ticket items for me, but they also take a great deal of my time and effort and energy. And I have to admit, when I get done with the project, I'm always very proud of the work that I've done. Probably 95% of the time, the clients are very happy with the work that I've done. The other 5%, I just either don't get the feedback or they don't don't incorporate all the feedback into their approaches. But for the most part, you know, I, I don't think it's worth the amount of effort that I go through for the amount, the volume of these projects that are coming in. So I am going to be retiring them from my website. I will have an email going out. There will be one last, you know, notification for people who've maybe been thinking about it for a while. They want to sign up for me. But after that, I will be discontinuing. And I want you to give yourself permission as well. Refine your offerings. It's perfectly refined to refine those offerings based on what you enjoy. The more effort and energy you put into 
activities and services that bring you joy, that light you up and bring you income, the more energy you're going to have to do for projects in the future. So I want you to think about that. And and listen to your inner voice, because this is probably happening to you right now. You might have projects that you're excited when the client signs on, and then you immediately dread because you have to do the work that goes into it. Whereas there are other projects that when they sign on, and then you're excited, and you're also excited to do the work. So I want you to think about what lights you up and what drains you. And that can help to determine which of the service offerings you continue and which of those that you discontinue. And I do want you to keep in mind, it is perfectly okay to walk away. It's okay to walk away during that initial discovery call. It's okay to say no before you've gotten the signed contract. And speaking of, make sure that you do have signed contracts in place with every client every single time. I no longer proceed with working with my clients unless they have either check the box at checkout agreeing to term and conditions, or for more sizable projects, I have a PDF contract that I'll sign over to them for an e-signature. And I make sure that I have their signature as well as a down payment in place before we proceed. This has actually helped to screen out some of those PETA clients. I have one right now that I've I've invoiced, I've sent a contract over and it's been over a month and a half and I've still not received the signed contract nor the down payment in my, I'm using QuickBooks Online, which sends out automated email notifications. And it's, it's, it's notifying my client that, you know, they're, they're not, they haven't paid it yet. It's overdue at this point. And I emailed them and I just said, hey, I just want to let you know, I don't start on any work until I have a signed contract and the down payment in place because of the fact that I have had some clients that have decided to postpone the activities until a later date. So I'm trying to keep it positive. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. But I also don't want to invest any of my time and effort into a project that they are not going to pay me for. And I think that's really important. There's a careful balance when you are self-employed and you're delivering your work as a coach and a consultant. Like at what point in time do you charge them for it? I have learned it's best to either have a down payment or a pay in full or pay 50% before proceeding with any work. Speaking from experience and having to had chase down some clients to get payment made after the fact. And every once in a while, I get somebody questioning me, you know, they'll say the question, so you mean I have to pay you 50% before you even do anything? And my response back to them is this. This is literally what I've built my business upon. If I had one client that I charged 50% and didn't do any work at all, my name would be smeared all over LinkedIn. I would not be able to secure any additional clients. And I mainly do work by way of referral, by word of mouth. So my business would not exist if I were to have any of those situations in place. And I do reassure them that we will have a contract, a signed contract in place. It will outline all the terms and conditions, scope of the project, all of those items in particular. And I do find that some of my clients will really go through these contracts with a fine-tooth comb. By the way, I designed my contracts using the templates that I purchased from Bobby Klink through his legal template library. And I feel completely comfortable with the templates that I've used from him. I've even had my own lawyer look through them before sending them out. Sometimes the clients will come back and they'll ask for changes and clauses. And I'll review those with my attorney before making any changes in there. But I find that that gives them the peace of mind, knowing that the contract is clearly specifying the terms and conditions, the program elements, payment terms, all of that as well. Now, having said all of that, my goal with working with my clients is always to exceed their expectations. I always want to do that. I always want to 
over deliver on what I've promised. I always want to walk away from from a client engagement with them saying, this was amazing. This was more than I expected. It was better than I expected. Thank you so much. That's my goal. But I know that sometimes we're just not going to please people. And part of that is, you know, coming into the scenario, I've learned that some people are going to question the value that I offer, the approaches that I take. And that's why I find it's better to stop before you get started with a project. And even sometimes at the end of an engagement, I've done the work for them. They either have not completely implemented my advice or they haven't done any of the work that I've suggested for them and they're frustrated. I've encouraged them, and I tell these people time and time again, 50% of the value that you'll get from working with me is what I tell you. The other 50% is what you do with it. So we both have to have involvement in, in the process. And if you're willing to do the work, you will get the results. Okay. So I think that's important, but to, to be prepared to walk away when needed. And sometimes it's after you've met your obligations you're trying to get them to to be happy with the work that you've done, but sometimes you just can't. So you have to be prepared to walk away. Once you've completed the work that you have promised and you've delivered that to them, it's perfectly fine to walk away when needed. And on that note, I want you to remind to remember that there are plenty more clients out there. Even on LinkedIn, gosh, they're reaching 1 billion members on the platform, right? And if you put more energy into energy creating clients and relationships and into income creating activities that give you joy, you're going to find that your business will start to grow and accelerate. By the way, all related to this, we're talking about what are you offering. I want you to do something today. Go to your website, go to your homepage, and try to navigate to find those services. Is it easy to find? It should be. If it's not, let's think about, is there some navigation that needs to be added either to the top of your website or someplace within the body of your homepage? And try to do this technique both from your laptop as well as from the mobile app. Like look at your website from your phone, rather. Look up your website from your phone and try to figure out, is it easy to navigate to learn more about your services from your phone, okay? And same thing from your 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 desktop or your laptop. Look around and try to figure out, is it easy to find your services? And is it easy to find? If not, you might need to make some changes on there. Related to that, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this in a while, to send an email out to your full email list that those opt-in list subscribers to remind them of your services and where to find your services on your website. And as we're getting towards the end of the year, this might be a good reminder especially if you're going to do the same thing I did, which is you're going to be retiring some of those offerings and services. Let people know, here are the things that I'm currently offering through my website. Here are the links to sign up for them. And if there's any expiration dates, if you're going to be sunsetting any of those services, let people know that in the email as well. I find that this technique creates some urgency, especially for people that maybe have had it on their to-do list to reach out to you, to book the service with them. If you're letting them know, you're drawing a line in the sand to say that these services will only be available if booked by December 31st, it might prompt them to sign up for some of those services, okay? On that same note as website, one other thing I try to do is on every secondary page on my website, in the footer of the webpage, and you might look at one of my pages and see this, I'll say last updated. So if I go into my website today and make an update, it will say last updated December 5th. I do that for two reasons, internal and external. Internal, because it's myself and my intern who are managing my website updates right now. So I can see when was the last time that either one of us touched the page and made updates to it. The external is, I believe this helps from an SEO perspective, as the the, the different 
things that are crawling the web or looking for information when they see more relevant dates and information, it helps to create some sub website legitimacy. So I think that really does help. All right, my friends. So what did you think of today's show? We were talking about what are you offering, how to evolve your offerings, and some of the strategies that I used and I have used to grow my business and I'll continue to use going into 2024. What do you think? Was this helpful for you today? Let me know. If I've inspired you to take action, I would love to hear that as well. You can email me and share that feedback with me at brenda at mellermarketing.com. That's M-E-L-L-E-R marketing.com. Or you can look me up on social media, whether we're connected on LinkedIn or if you want to look up Meller Marketing on some of the other social media platforms like Instagram and message me there. That would be great. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Brenda Meller. I wanted to let you know if you're a coach and consultant and you're looking for some tips to really up your LinkedIn game, I've got a free downloadable checklist for you. It's called 15 LinkedIn Profile Tips for Coaches and Consultants. And this checklist is a way of getting some quick and easy tips to update your LinkedIn profile today to help generate more leads for your coaching and consulting business. To grab your copy of the list, go to mellermarketing.com slash list.